Welcome to the Mob Squad, where real moms of boys juggling life, love, a clean house, and being outnumbered by balls. We say bad words, we vent, we cry, we laugh a lot, and sometimes we can be a bit inappropriate. But hey, we're moms of boys, so anything goes. Let's face it, we have real shit, and we know you do too. Life gets hard and messy, but we're not alone, and we're never quiet. We know you're one of us, and we're so glad you're here. So grab your favorite drink, fill up that bathtub, or get your fitness on, and let's get this podcast started. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up and let's go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Mob Squad. I'm Amanda. And I'm Ariel. And I'm Heather. Heather. (laughs) We're so excited today because we're having our first guest ever. And it rhymes with Heather. (laughs) (laughs) It is Heather. (laughs) Yes. But Ariel and I have been talking about this for a long time. Should we have guests? Shouldn't we have guests? Then we decided we wanted to, but we really wanted it to be meaningful. So we couldn't think of a better person to be our first guest than you, Miss Heather. So thank you for joining us. (laughs) Thank you both. I'm honored. It's a lot of fun. Yay. We're also recording this on the phone. <laughs> on a video? On a video. Lots of words. Oh my gosh. Get it together, friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. So what are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk a little bit about our amazing friend, Heather. And she's kind of been on a journey. I don't know how long your journey has been going on, but probably a while. A lifetime. A lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a lifetime. Yeah. No, um, you know, depends on what you're referring to as far as my journey, but I think we'll dig into that a little bit. Yeah. A few years. Yeah. Six. Yeah. And we are super inspired by you. And that's why we wanted to have you on the podcast, because I think your story is amazing. And also, I think so many people can relate to and learn from things that you have experienced and tools that you've picked up. And Amanda and I were so excited talking to you because we're like, oh my gosh, this would be so good if we could share this on the podcast, because it's inspiring to us. And also, I think just super helpful for a lot of people in a lot of ways. So I don't know if you want to jump into anything, but I was wanting to talk about probably something that is a little less intense, but I think the family walk that you guys did, I think for like a month, you guys went on a walk for like during the holidays. Yeah. 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 So that was, um, a challenge that a friend of ours posed to us. It was something that he was doing with his family and it's kind of coined as the holiday, uh, health challenge. And it's, uh, Walking one mile Mm. each day with your family, starting at Thanksgiving and going all the way through to New Year's Day. And so every day after school, after work, we saddle up and head out and we usually take the dog with us and we take a football and we just walk the neighborhood. I love that. And it's just a time to really connect. You know, the holidays can get so crazy and overwhelming. It's just time to wind down and reconnect with the family. Right, right. It's quality time, quality time with your family. And I love that it's centered around something that's healthy and exercise and showing your kids those things I think are important because I think often as adults, we exercise on our own and don't always include the kids in those those situations. I mean, obviously they play sports and do things, but I think it's also good to do it as a family unit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is such a really hectic time of year and it just gets crazy. And, you know, we're just trying to hang on and get all the shopping done and the cooking and everything else. And it's just really a way to kind of dial it back and uh, recenter. Yeah. It's like grounding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. I've talked to my family about it and they were like, maybe we should do it in the winter, not in the summer, but I think we're going to try it over the summer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, maybe not start when it's on the outside either way. So maybe, I mean, it's just a mile, right? It's It's not, and people are still doing it and the dog still needs to go for a walk. So we're going to try it. They're all very excited about it. But what I, so what we didn't start with is you have two boys, one that's 10 and one that's 12 and a husband and you and your husband both work. Correct. And you have very busy schedules. So my question is, is during that time with also the holiday hustle and bustle, how do you find the time to do it when you just don't have the time to do it. You know, it's like anything that you just have to force yourself to do. And then after you do it, you always feel so much better. Yeah. Like going to the gym. (laughs) I don't want to go, but I love it when I leave. Yeah. And the fact that it's when we do it, it's during the holiday season and you get to see people's holiday displays and you run into neighbors and, you know, I'm a runner and I typically run the neighborhood. So to be able to slow down and really take in where I live and, you know, maybe talk to a neighbor, talk to several neighbors along the way. It's just, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And the kids love it. And we have a actually a glow-in-the-dark football. Oh, and the, fun. <laughs> the, the kids throw the football back and forth. Occasionally, I'll get in there and catch or try to catch a few and it's go on. I it's, love it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a great time. And I don't know why we, you know, have to, you know, focus it around the holiday season. But I think, again, it's just a time where it's just so crazy. It's a good way to reconnect. Right. Absolutely. And I think I remember you saying something about the boys you know, opening up to you or just having like good family conversations that weren't happening, you know, in the hustle and bustle at home. Yep, exactly. It's just, it's a safe place for people to, you know, for our family to just open up and and talk with one another. It's not. And I think sometimes we talk about looking at our kids in the eye and trying to have those conversations where sometimes when they're in the backseat and they don't have to look at you, Mm -hmm. you know, it just, it's easier. So it just, it, the conversation just flows. When you're moving and you're throwing the ball around and they're like not totally focused on whatever question you're asking. So maybe it's a little more organic Organic. to have it come out. Mm -hmm. And not so much pressure maybe of like, like you said, an intense conversation where you're like, tell me this. Exactly. I think boys do 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 do, do. do do better <laughs> i don't know why but i feel like that's going to be a problem for me the rest of my life i cannot get do over do. it do do a lot of people um, say do do but well, it's, it's our fault for laughing it was so actually funny. somebody that i work with that pointed it out to me one time and i was like did i say that And he's like yeah do do and i was like no i said do do this and then after i realized i did it i was like oh my god this is like one of those things where you <laughs> elephant in the room you try not to think about it and that's all you think about anyways um <laughs> no i think it's so it's so i think boys just do better with with conversation when it's like centered around activity or walking or not face to face like we've discussed that before so I think it's just a good thing to do in general with my and I've noticed that with my kids too if we go on a walk or do something like that they're more likely to just and sometimes they just talk themselves like you don't even have to ask them questions they'll just start talking you're like wow this is different Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is not typical but Yeah. yeah Yeah. So I tell me, tell us a little bit about your journey, your journey where it started, how it became. Yeah. So we all recently went to a, a wellness retreat together and mm. that's kind of how this conversation started about me being a guest. And because I, you know, I opened up a little bit about my battle with alcoholism and it's not easy to say that word because <laughs> I think there's a lot of judgment that comes with that word. But I'm comfortable saying it now because I I know deep down that I am an alcoholic. So we talked in depth about my journey with getting sober. And, you know, for me, it so I've been sober six years now. And I was at a point in my life where I always thought I was a normal drinker. But looking back on my drinking history now, I know that I was never a normal drinker. I drank to get buzzed, get drunk. I think the fact that I could turn it on on a Friday and turn it off on a Sunday made me tell myself that I was a normal drinker, that I was still getting to work. I had, you know, successful jobs. I never missed work. I never had consequences from my drinking until I did, you know, and and drinking was fun until it no longer became fun for me. And I was struggling in my marriage. My husband uh, was traveling a lot. I had two really young kids and that was my way of coping. You know, I would come home from work and I would start, you know, at 4.30 with a glass of wine. And then, you know, by the time I was putting my kids to bed, I was, you know, I was functioning, but I wasn't being a good mom. And I think that when my husband was gone, I would drink more because I didn't have to, you know, worry about him and what he would think. And so when he was gone, my drinking escalated and he started traveling more. And I I was faced with, I lost my mother-in-law and- You're okay. You're doing great. And she and I were very close. And I think that that just, that was, that was the escalation. That's when I just took off. And I started, you know, my 4.30 turned into 12 o'clock. And then, you know, the next day I was feeling horrible. And, you know, my solution was to have another drink, you know, a little hair of the dog. And then the next thing I knew, I was drinking every day. And it was every day, all day. And I knew that I was coming to a point where I was out of control. And I thought that I was doing a really good job of hiding it. Um... But I was hiding it from everybody but my husband, I think, you know, and I would come home from work and he would kiss me when I would come in the door. And I started realizing that he wasn't kissing me to welcome me home. He was kissing me to see if I had alcohol on my breath. So um, 
I, <clears throat> sorry, guys. No, <laughs> this you're is totally no. fine. I had a friend that uh, was in a program. And so I reached out to her and I was, I come from a family of alcoholics. Um, so I knew, you know, I knew that there are places out there for, for us. <laughs> and so I, I called a friend of mine and I asked her for help. And she actually was a girl that I worked with and she lived up in Oregon. And she gave me a list of different women here in Arizona that I could call that were in a program of recovery and that would help me. And I hung on to those phone numbers for months and I continued doing what I was doing. And I tried different things. I tried, you know, not drinking wine. I tried not drinking before noon. Yeah. I tried so many different things and I just came to the point where I just realized I couldn't do it on my own. And so I, I called the first number on my list and she answered and she met me at a meeting the following day and she became my sponsor and one of my very good friends. And she led me through my first two years in a program of recovery. Unfortunately, my story does have a relapse, but I believe that relapses happen for a reason. And after two years of, you know, I was doing almost everything that she asked me to. I was just so willing and so broken that I didn't I didn't have any other choice. So everything that she asked me to do, I did. She told me to get a service commitment, you know, within the program. So whether that be making coffee or greeting somebody at the door of these meetings, she told me when asked to speak or asked to do something, you know, within the program to do it. And so I got asked to speak at different institutions, not speak, but start a meeting or, or be a part of a meeting. And so, like I said, I did everything that she asked me to do, but what I didn't do was work the steps. And, you know, there's several different programs of recovery. Mine is a 12-step program. And after my relapse, I knew that I needed to get a sponsor that was closer to me um, because I stopped meeting with my sponsor because of where she was located in the Valley. And so I... Um, had developed this really great relationship with a woman in one of my meetings, and uh, I asked her to be my sponsor. And then she guided me through uh, working my 12 steps. And there's so many wonderful things that uh, that come with working through your wreckage and the garbage that we carry, you know. And so I painstakingly, again, had the willingness and the desire to work through all this. And um, so, you know, it's journaling, it's um, making amends to people that we've hurt. It's figuring out what our part is and all of these resentments that we have and forgiving ourselves and um, figuring out what our character defects are that cause us to behave this way in relationships. And to me, that is where the power, came, you know, that is where I truly came out a different person. And that, that has been a four-year journey. And I've worked my steps several times now. It's it's an ongoing thing. It's, it's a, I say, you know, it's, it's, it's progress, not perfection. Each of us works works recovery in a different way. And, you know, I, I have setbacks and I have really, really shitty moments, but I have tools now that, that help me with that. I, I do a lot, a lot of prayer. I do a lot of meditation. There's lots, there, I have a whole tool bag. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the most powerful things that I've learned is pause when agitated. <laughs> so I take a lot of deep breaths. I pause when I want to just react that power of pause is is huge for me. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I know it's really hard for you to talk about this, but I don't think that you're alone in anything that you've said and I relate to so many things you mentioned not from an alcohol standpoint, but from a just coping with life in general and yeah. like going through through things throughout my life, moments where I had, you know, situations that came up. I think, you know, the the part that I really wanted you to talk about and what inspired me and I think Amanda as well was learning about these tools because mm -hmm. I don't think that it's just alcoholics that need these tools. I think it's every adult. Mm -hmm, and yeah. I don't think we're ever taught these things. No. So we all have our thing, right? Whether it's alcohol or drugs or, you know, coffee or whatever. Or connections. People get con or just being mad or going, just not being centered. Right. right. Like anything. Right. Literally. Right. 
I don't want to downplay it because I know how important what you've done is so that I don't mean right. if that's what it sounds like, but it yeah. feels like what you go through is so inspiring and can be interchangeable, like the reason. Right? Absolutely. But like if there was something that we could all go to and have a sponsor, like we, mm-hmm. every time I'm around you, I feel like I suck all of this information. I just absorb it because you're so wise and you have all of these great suggestions or processes and you say meditate or pray or do a pros and cons list. There's yeah. a lot of different things that you say that bring me a lot of comfort and hope in whatever I'm going through. And I've known you for seven years. So we met right at the beginning of your journey. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you've always been that way. So I probably because you've been in this program, right? Yeah. But we often joke like you are a spirit animal. We want you to be our sponsor. Let's talk to her about it because you are so insightful and you have so much wisdom. And every time we ask you like, how do you know that? Or how did you learn that? You always say the program. It is. And, you know, I've, I've had friends that have had, that have done, you know, like marriage boot camps, and I have friends that are in therapy and we mm. have conversations and therapy and these, you know, boot camps, they, they parallel each other mm. with the tools that we work in a program of recovery. There's their life tools, like you said. It, one of the other things that was helpful and is in my toolbox that I learned along the way was if you're faced with a situation and your immediate reaction is to say, you know, exactly what's on your mind, pausing and saying or thinking, does this need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? And does it need to be said by me? You know, and just taking yourself a little out of the situation and looking at it and pausing, you know, there's a lot, a lot to that. I love that. I love it too. And I think that so many fights could probably be avoided totally. just in my marriage alone. hundred <laughs> percent. <100%. laughs> my biggest thing is that so I like what you said earlier about just pausing, like when you, anytime you're agitated. Yes. Because I, with my kids, I'm finding myself snapping lately, especially in the summer. I feel like because the heat makes me angry, but also then my kids drive me nuts all all summer. And how do you get to that point where you're able to do that? Because my first reaction is always. To fly off the handle. Yeah. So yeah. how do you do that? It's just practice. It's honestly You're just like, just it's more awareness just, and then mm-hmm. it's stopping yourself. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. A few days ago, I, I have a situation happening within my family right now. I have a loved one that's in this, she's fighting, fighting a, an addiction and um, she used and I was on the phone with another family member and everybody, you know, let's, let's call her. Let's tell her how disappointed we are. And I said, no. You know, I need to do me. I need to continue working on me Mm -hmm. and anything can set me off Mm -hmm. the rails. And so I immediately (laughs) went up and I got on my Peloton and I got a workout in and I just, I I sat in prayer for a moment. You know, I have a, a daily meditation book. So all these things that I do, I did all of them, you know, because anything for me can be, can be fatal. You know, I can fall off. I I don't like saying fall off the wagon, but I can at any moment, you know, pick up a drink. And if I'm not okay, that can happen so easily. And so every tool that I, I have learned, I just throw it everything I've, (laughs) everything I've learned, I, I try to bring it in, you know, and, and lean upon it. So yeah. And that helps the situation. And then you feel like you're, it's almost like you're recentering before you tackle something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love that yeah. because I think, and not to downplay, like Amanda said, I'm not downplaying at all having alcoholism because I do understand that it is a true addiction. That's something you can't control. It's not something you can think your way out of type of thing, but I do relate to it in the in a way that it's when you're saying that, it just, it makes me realize like there's so many ways that this can be applied to just everybody's life. Mm-hmm. Like it makes me think about my own life and how I could use all of these tools. I just feel like I just can relate to that so much. And again, not to downplay what you're saying, it's just valuable. And it's not, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say. It's so valuable. The things that we're learning. Well, it's, it is really valuable. I mean, I think that every time I'm with you, I'm, you're giving me advice on something. I don't even know if you realize it or maybe you do. I get the same from you. So <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. I mean, both of you, I just, I love you both so well, much. We and love I you too. too. So Thank much. You. And we're so proud of you. And this incredible journey that you've been on, we're so thankful that you've shared it with us. We've learned so much from you. Yeah. You You're, know, when you asked me to talk about it, I immediately said yes. And then I immediately thought, no. no. Yes, yes. <laughs> but 
you know, my my motivation is, is if that I can help one person out there, you know. So I welcome you to if anybody reaches out for for help, you can share my Yeah, number. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that, that is our goal as well, mm-hmm. is to help people, whether they relate to what you're saying. And I know we were going to talk about what we were going to call this episode was like sober curious. And yeah, I don't. Do you remember yeah. that, Heather, when we talked about sober yeah. curious? Uh-huh. I don't know. It just I made do. me think like we should call it that. So it's actually a book. Yeah. Oh, it that is. I read oh. a long time ago because I have moments where I struggle with the same question. Am I or am I not? Because I can turn it off easily. But sometimes I have a hard time turning it off in the moment. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I have one drink. I might as well have 10. Right. I'm a little bit yeah. buzzed. Let's get wasted just because it's once it touches the lips, like there's so much truth to that. Yeah. But I haven't had more severe moments than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not having moments that I necessarily think would qualify me to be able to attend, right? Like what right do I have to go? Because I'm somewhere in the middle of being sober and drunk. So I'm sober curious. So there was this book Mm -hmm. and it basically talks about that is what happens to the people that are somewhere stuck in the middle. And so we've talked a lot about that Mm -hmm. and that. I think there's a lot of people stuck in the middle. To be honest, Mm -hmm. our culture glorifies alcohol use. Oh yeah. It's on every t-shirt, you know, mommy sippy cup. Like every celebration has to do with alcohol as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so... I can't imagine how hard that is for you or anybody in general who's struggling with any addiction. But they always say like, that's, you know, the first thing that you need to look at is when you have an addiction is the people that you're hanging out with. Yeah. But when it's everywhere, like how do you find those people that don't drink? Well, and that was something I struggled with in the beginning too. You know, we were all part of a book club and, um, you know, I thought if I tell people that I don't drink, am I not going to get invited anymore? You know, I was really, you know, FOMO. I didn't want to miss out. Right. And I felt like I could still socialize and, and not drink. And, you know, I've, I've proven that I can, but, um, in the beginning it's terrifying, you know, vacations, weddings, right. Birthdays, holidays. It's, it's really, really challenging. I think we're all semi-alcoholics to be honest, because I, when we went, even when we went to Savannah, Mm -hmm. like being in the pool, I just want like a fruity drink. And it's not even, it's like we've trained ourselves to include alcohol in everything we do. And so I will just drink something like- It just felt like we should be doing that. I had the same thing. I set the intention before we went, which I shared with you, Heather. And you were so sweet all week and you were like, it's not because of me. It's not because of me. And it wasn't because of you. This is the intention. I'm coming here to really do the work, to be centered. I don't want Mm -hmm. anything to taint that, right? Or get in the way. That first meal that we had- was so hard for me not to order a drink. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, maybe I am. Like, <laughs> well, it's do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, just no. because like no, we're at I this know. great resort, the weather's amazing, we're sitting outside. Mm-hmm. It's what we would have done. It's what we well, all would have done, And here's right? the problem. I think like, Heather, you kind of justified it. You said in your journey, okay, my life is not a mess. I'm fine, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have so alcoholism runs in my family as well. And my grandfather actually died of it. So it is a, a problem in our genes as well. And my my dad, who's actually my stepdad, he is a functioning alcoholic. Like he drinks every single day and he can keep it together. I mean, there's times where he has gotten drunk and it's been a problem where we're at, but he has held a job. He took care of us. He didn't steal money from people. He didn't do some of the things that some people are like, oh, I have a problem. So I think like there's this gray area that a lot of people fit into. And like my dad doesn't know he's an alcoholic or doesn't think that he is. He doesn't think that he has a problem. He does because he can't not have it. And I think that that might be, I guess, one of the signs that where you know that you you have a problem is when you can't, you know, you can't live a day without it. I don't know. Yeah. Like what are the, they also say, you know, if you take a drink and you don't, you, you can't determine what the outcome of your evening is going to look like. Right. You know, if, like you can't control it. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's, and I've had times like that in my life. So I don't know, maybe I'm like borderline have problems with it. I don't know because there are times where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have a couple drinks. And then I got wasted, <laughs> you know? So yeah. yeah, it happens, but I do avoid alcohol a lot. So I love the sober curious idea because it's something that I play with all the time. Like, do I want to just give up alcohol completely? It's hard. Well, and because I, it's such a social thing. And like you mm-hmm. said, Heather, I don't want to not have fun or I don't want to not be included in something. But yeah, it's it yes. makes it difficult. It's there's like an an, un, an unseen pressure. Yeah. You and know? I really thought, you know, at first everybody's going to notice that I'm not drinking. And I would do that. You know, I would get a, a soda water right. with a slice of lime. I do in feel it, better so when I like do that yeah. drink. Yeah. And I don't, you know, again, it's just like that fear of what people are going to think. And yeah. you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody notices. I figured that and out. Honestly, Nobody notices. Who cares what other people <laughs> yeah. think? It should only matter yeah. what you believe about yourself. Well, and if they're judgy, I mean, this is where we're at in our lives. If they're dicks about it and they can't understand it, then they're not for us. We're not for everybody. We know that. Right. Yeah. 
but everybody is also not for us. And we have the power to make that choice. So mm-hmm. if they're being jerks about it, and I will be totally honest with you, when I first met you and we went out, I was, because I was drinking and you weren't. So I didn't know what the rules were. And I was like, should I or shouldn't I? What if I drink too much? And we've been in situations too where parties or like gatherings where I yeah. know that you've left because it had gotten maybe a little bit out of control. That's one of the tools. I and always take my own car. Yeah. You always <laughs> yeah. do. Oh, yeah. Always. Drive. Yeah, I drive. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's that's so smart. an exit. Yeah. But yeah. So I think too, with this book, with the Sober Curious book, which we read, and I, it's been a long time since I read it. How, do you remember that? How long ago? Maybe five years yeah. ago or something? It was a really long time ago. I remember talking mm-hmm. with you about it in your car right outside yeah. of my house. You drove yeah. home from maybe a book club. I don't know. What the book? Yeah. What's the book about? It's about that person who's stuck right in the middle. Oh, it is. And okay. basically the whole premise is, am I or am I not? Because nothing, I haven't hit rock bottom. So I don't know that I do belong in AA. I think they'll kick me out was this like perception of this young woman, maybe in her 30s, I think. And but she knew that she needed to make a change because she was having drinks at lunch on her work hour. And then she was having drinks at happy hour. And then that happy hour would turn into an all nighter. And then she'd go into work and she was hungover. And it was, but she realized that she didn't necessarily have a problem with alcohol as much as she had a problem with the social setting that she was putting herself Mm -hmm. in. So she didn't need to go to AA because she was able to turn it off. And the way that she turned it off was just through not hanging out with going to yoga. Like instead of going to happy hour, they would go to yoga or they would go find a really cool tea house or a coffee house. So she kind of replaced unhealthy behaviors with healthy behaviors. Exactly. And so then she was like, I know that I'm going to lose friends over it. She did lose some friends over it, but she also made some really amazing friends and friends that she shared experiences with that will stay with her forever. Like I have a group of girlfriends. There are four of us. We are the, they are my favorite drinking buddies. They, for the sake of this conversation and all intents and purposes, they're some of my very best friends. I don't remember half the shit we do together because we're hammered <laughs> most of the time. Sounds amazing. Right? And I know they're listening. You know who I, you know who you are. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like, yeah. they're my favorite drinking buddies and we have so much fun together. We have fun together when we're sober, but we have a lot of fun. And I so badly, well, we do record some things and I wish we didn't because then we look like idiots. But I can't go back to some of those memories because we were, you know, faded yeah, by the yeah. light, by the, yeah. Yeah. by the drink. And I think there's, so I don't know if this is even true. Um, a long time ago, I had a, I had a DUI, so I had to take a alcohol classes in my 20s. And one of the things they said about alcoholism was that you can still be an alcoholic if you just drink on the weekends, but like you said, you can't control how much you're drinking. So if you're what was the term that they used? If you're getting wasted every single weekend, then you 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 can still be considered an alcoholic. Yeah, you know, it, it amazes me. I see people in the program that have been sober since they were 16. And I'm like, how do you know at 16 <laughs> that you're yeah, an right. alcoholic? Or, yeah. you know, people, everybody has a different bottom, I guess, is, okay. is where I'm kind of going. You know, there's there's people that maybe have two drinks and they feel out of control or people that have 10, you know, everybody's level of, of that is different. Right. If you think you have a problem, you probably have a problem. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I hear in in the meetings that I go to. And there's there's no there's no set guidelines for membership here, okay. you know? Right. There's, so they're not going to kick you out if you're like, oh, I drink no. every weekend, but I'm fine every other day. They'd be like, oh, you're welcome here. So my experience with meetings is there's what's called an open meeting, and that's for people that maybe are sober curious. Okay. And yeah. then oh, there, there's also a closed meeting, and that's for people that know that they have a problem. They consider those, themselves alcoholics, and it's specifically for alcohol. They don't want people coming in there and talking about cocaine or marijuana. You know, yeah. they it's specifically and for not, alcohol. Those are not the same, I feel like. I mean, they're right. addictions. Mm-hmm. I think it's still a problem somewhere in the brain or something that 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 can't be turned off. But right. I do think that those are different. So that's good that they yeah. have that because I did think that it was for everybody, any any addiction. Yeah, the, it was just open. Oh, so there's you're saying there's one for alcoholism. There's one for cocaine. There's a different meeting for... yeah. There's heroin or anonymous, you know, all these other ones. So it's not all encompassed into one. Yeah. Yeah. So a closed meeting is for somebody that specifically has an issue with said addiction. And there's closed Alcoholics Anonymous. There's closed Cocaine Anonymous. There's closed Marijuana Anonymous. It's all the closed caption or the closed meeting is for the person that is trying to get better and know that they have a problem with it 
that know they have an addiction. Yeah, they're working towards it. The sober curious person can go to what's called an open meeting. Okay, so let's talk about the wellness journey that you've been on next. Yeah. And how like you knew that you had to make a change so Mm -hmm. that you started focusing on yourself. I did. Yeah, started focusing on myself. You know, in the beginning, I was so fearful that I was going to drink that I found myself at a meeting almost every single day. I mainly stuck with women's meetings. And so they're for women only. Typically they are a closed meeting, but they do have open meetings as well. So I did a lot of uh, women's meetings. When I wasn't at a meeting, I was trying to continue to work and hold my family together. But I also started focusing on prayer. You know, I had to give it to a higher power. I couldn't do it by myself. And I knew that. And that's, you know, some of the guidance that I've gotten through my program of recovery is that you have to have something higher than yourself that you can surrender to. And for me, that's um, Jesus Christ. I I pray to God, but anybody can, you know, have a higher power. I'm not religious, but I am very spiritual. So I would try to take cues uh, around me. You know, if I I shared this with you when we were Mm -hmm. um, talking at the wellness spa, I take cues from the So when I see the clock hit 2.22, I literally, if I'm in a spot where I can do this, I get on my knees and I say a prayer or I think of something I'm grateful for. If I'm in a crowd of people and I don't want to look, you know, a little bit odd, (laughs) I will, you know, in my head, think of just something that I'm grateful for and just say a quick prayer. And um, I try to meditate every night. I prefer to do it at night because it helps me sleep. Uh, I do guided meditations. Uh, You know, I tap into YouTube or there's lots of different ways to do it, but I I do meditate. I'm a huge believer in exercise and getting outside. So, you know, I run, so that makes it easy for me to not, you know, check off both with with one um, activity. So I do a lot of running, I hike, and that's the way that I now release my aggressions, you know, it's, it's getting out there and working out. So yeah. do a lot well, of that. In last week's episode, two weeks ago, we talked about that in our habits of happiness yes. class. That's number yeah, one and number two. Say, you're like, Heather is all of She's these. Those boxes. Yeah. She gave herself <laughs> a full point in all yeah. of those. Yeah. <laughs> but you have done the work to get, give yourself one point in all of those areas. I don't know. I'm the only one <laughs> yeah. that did a point system on that, but I want to be more like you. I think it's so inspiring what you've done. How would you, and you know, the journey that I've been on, we've shared it on the podcast where I'm I'm like a newborn in all of this. I'm really trying to meditate. I'm trying to pray more. I'm trying to be more present, trying to be intentional. I just learned what that actually means. Mm -hmm. I know what intentional means. I know what the dictionary says. I get it. But like putting that into your own practice every day. What does that mean in real life? It's really confusing. Yeah. What is self-love? What does that actually mean? I get a manicure and a pedicure. We were just talking about this a couple of days ago. Is that self-love? Is that me time? I don't know. Like, what am I actually doing? So I'm in this newborn phase. You're where I want to be, where so many people want to be, but you didn't get there overnight. It didn't just happen. So, and I think you just started falling to your knees recently, right? To pray because it was, you learned that it was more you felt more connected, right? Yeah. And that was something that my very first sponsor taught me to do. I Mm -hmm. I I brought that away from that relationship. That's something that she does. um, And she recommended that I do it. And I think that it's a sign of surrender, Mm -hmm. you know, surrendering and giving it to your higher power and asking, you know, asking for the guidance to be, to be a child of God and, you know, to, to be a good person and just, just taking that moment. So um, you have to carve the time out, you Mm -hmm. know, in the beginning, I, I made getting sober my job. I was, like I said, at a meeting every day and I had to carve out time for myself to exercise. And, you know, I had the support of my husband. You know, he wanted more than anybody for me to be successful. Be successful yeah. at this. Yeah, yeah. Because he loves me. It just, yeah. So for for me to have that support and, you know, my whole family got behind me too. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I didn't talk about this much with friends because again, there's that, you know, that immediate, when you say alcoholic, people think of, you know, oh uh, no, what do we talk about? A, hom- a homeless person <laughs> on the sidewalk, you know, with a a fifth I mean, of whiskey in their hand, yeah. and, and that's not who it is. Um, when I think I, it's a shame that that there's a stigma to it. It's the same yeah. with mental health. Like yeah, when you say you absolutely. have depression or anxiety, mm-hmm. and people automatically think, "Oh, they're crazy." Mm-hmm. I think it's sad, and I hope that we can change that with you know talking about it and being more open with it, and yeah. just normalizing it because it is totally normal. And like I grew up with a dad with an alcohol problem, mm-hmm. so I don't look down on anybody who has that 
problem. But I do think that there will always be people who are going to judge you. And it's honestly, you don't need those people in your life. That's on them. That's a them problem. Right. Right. I was Mm -hmm. really scared to come on and talk about this because of that. And, you know, I'm at a point in my life now where, and I hold my sobriety very close to my chest because Mm -hmm. at any moment I can lose it, you know? And I think when you voice what you're doing and and your your journey with people, it holds you accountable. So for the first couple years, I don't think I... I don't think I talked to anybody about it because I was, again, afraid I wasn't going to get invited, afraid that people would judge me, not want their kids to come to my home. You know, it's it's all those things. It's fear. You know, I was very fearful about what that looked like to everybody else. And, you know, now that I'm further into it, if I can help one person, then my job is done here today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um I think you're going to help a whole lot. I think uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to share is when I first started this journey, I was on three different medications for anxiety, depression, and to help me sleep. What I didn't realize is that I was pouring something that would make me depressed and have anxiety down my throat every day. (laughs) And when I gave that up, like slowly very slowly, I was able to titrate off these different medications. And, you know, I know that's not for everybody and that everybody has a different need. But for me, I was able to get off all of my medications. I'm not on anything now. Um, Yeah. And I feel great. (laughs) But I remember going to my doctor and and telling him, you know, I want off of these. I feel like garbage. And Mm -hmm. he told me no. Yeah. He said, you're new to, and, and it probably was a good recommendation, but you know, you have to be your own Advocate. Advocate. And you got to figure it out along the way. And nobody does it perfectly. I certainly haven't, but I know that I'm the best person now that I've ever been in my life, you know, I've, and that just comes from growth. You know, there was a lot of pain along the way and a lot of hard and a lot of suck. There's a lot of growth that comes with that too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, surrounding yourself with amazing people and, you know, I have a, a loving family and, yeah, I'm really happy. You do. Your family pretty much is awesome. Thank you. All things awesome. Thank you. We love your family. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> I do. I just think you're so amazing. I to to go through the things that you've gone through, you have to be an extremely strong person. And I'm just sitting here listening to you and I'm admiring you and thinking in my head, like, how could you be so strong to get through all this? If I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I just I really think it's amazing. And Thank you. um I don't know. I mean, do you have any advice for somebody who's struggling and is at that place where they don't think they're strong enough to get through it? I, I I really believe that that's where you have to lean on the people that love you the most, you know, and having a open, willing heart is number one, 100% key because having the willingness to make the changes is, you know, that's step one. And, you know, knowing that you deserve better and that this is not the life that God intended us to live, that he wants us all to be happy and to love each other and to support each other. And that's one of the things I've gotten from my program is um, relationships that are true and honest. And I'm not saying that other friendships I have are not, but in the program, we dial in and, you know, right away it goes straight to honest conversation and you hear about how people are struggling and try to lift each other up. I remember somebody telling me, we're going to love you until you know how to love yourself. Mm. That's so amazing. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah. That's what they did. That's, yeah, that's really beautiful. I love that. It's community. It's support. Question. Yeah. It's, it's friends and it's, it's being honest and telling people that you're struggling. I think that so many times in friendships, people, how are you doing? Oh, you know, great. You know, you just go to all the, all the lovely And it's not that way. We all are struggling. I remember at pickup, the end of the school year, I came in to pick up the kids and all my mom friends were standing around and I had a horrible day. And somebody looked and said, how are you? And I said, awful. And I just broke down into tears and everybody looked at me with these big eyes like, oh shit, what do we do? And they all came around and gave me hugs and, you know, what can we do? And, you know, that's, I needed those hugs that day. I needed them more than anything. And I didn't have to say what was going on. I just told them I had a horrible day and I broke down crying and I got hugs from all these wonderful women that are in my life and just being honest about how we're feeling and, and getting the support and the love from each other. 
yeah. I think is. It's really hard to do that. It's really hard to let your guard down. We're learning, yeah. we're discovering that on this journey. But we journey talk a lot on. about that on the podcast mm-hmm. about being vulnerable and how that is a big part of having real friends. Yeah. If you're not mm-hmm. vulnerable with them, it's you're just a high bye friend. Yeah. You're always going to stay in that place. And I think being vulnerable is hard to do. But like you said, if you don't ever do that, you're never going to get that support back. Yeah. What you need. Like you're not going to get what you need. Yeah. I could have said, I'm great. And then got in my car and broken down. But right. I got and then you amazing get... hugs. Totally. <laughs> Right. It worked out. It, it worked did. out. It did. But well, I think it usually it does work out. That's it the usually thing. does. When we let our guards yeah. down, yeah. then everybody else feels a little bit safer to let theirs mm-hmm. down too. And mm-hmm. it does work out. Yeah. And I learned that when at our wellness retreat where, so we're sitting in this circle at our wellness resort and they were all there for the same reasons. They were there to get the sharpen their tools in the toolbox. They were there to find their happiness or to be centered or connected. Every reason that we were there for is what everybody else was there for. Yeah. So what I learned is when you let your guard down a little bit, people feel a little safer to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you open up space for somebody else to be honest with you as well. And there's nothing I hate more than small talk. Did you see that meme? I did. Oh my God, we laughed so hard. Yeah, I told you I was trying. I was like practicing it, but you nailed it. Oh, I thought you should have told me. I'll show it to you. It's so so funny. funny. It's just, it's just like a... A reel where I'm like, you're what do you doing do small work? talk. Like, what do you do for work? Oh, is that what you do? Like, it just makes. Do you like it? it? Do you like it? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, you were talking about how much you hate small talk. But that's like the power of a high buy. High buy friends are important. They are important. Too. I think there's always a level of friendship that is important and necessary in life. And and you can't ever get by a high buy. Like, you're not just going to instantly be best friends. That's a rare thing. You got to happens. You got to do the work. You got to go to high buy then chapter. Yeah. Before you get to the porch. Right. Just how the it goes. Porch. The porch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Porch yes. life rules. But not everybody's going to be on your porch. No. But the high buy in that moment was probably a bunch of high bio friends for you, right? Mm-hmm. That you yeah. talk to at pickup, mm-hmm. maybe a couple of book club members, maybe, yep. mm-hmm. but m- the majority are just high buys. Yeah. But when you let your guard down, I bet you inspired somebody else to let their guard down yeah. a little bit. Or maybe yeah. somebody reached out to you that maybe you weren't expecting and they're yes. like, I'm going through the same thing. Yes. That's happened to me before. Yeah. Same. And I've quickly made a chapter friend because of that, you know, where yeah. I was like vulnerable and they were, they just felt safe enough to be vulnerable that. Right. Yeah. Right? So there's a lot of power in that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that that's great. So is there anything that you feel has helped you? Like if you could take away one thing from the program that you've learned the most or has helped you the most, what would that be? Mm. One tool. I think that we already touched on it a little bit and it's being vulnerable and being honest. They say uh, one of the, there's so many, you know, little sayings that we have in the program of recovery, but they say you're only as sick as your darkest secrets, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being really honest about what it is that, I don't know if we're talking about, you know, recovery or just in general, but what it is that causes you to drink, the resentments that we have, the fears that we have, and, you know, addressing those and head on, on being honest and open. And like you said, vulnerable, it's, it's hard to do. And it's, it's a, it's it's being vulnerable, but it's also um, having the courage to say it out loud, right? Yeah. Because when it's your deepest, darkest secret, usually nobody knows, not even your spouse, right. not even your best friend. Well, and nobody. didn't we learn at that Savannah, the burning one where she was like, if you say it out loud, it loses power or something? Yeah, that, like, I had the hardest time with that because I, and then I couldn't, when I didn't say it out, she said, you don't have to say it out loud. Yeah. yeah. If you're not ready to, or you're not comfortable. Yeah. So we had this burn ceremony, which did we talk about that we on already, our wellness? Yeah, we, we did. But we bit. can talk about it again. I had the most difficult time. And so we, on Friday night, we were talking similarly to what we're talking about now with about sobriety and wellness. And we were talking about my son who has cerebral palsy and he had a stroke when I was pregnant with him. And that night was the first time I talked about it out loud, really talked about it and talked about my guilt that I had over it with the two of you. Mm -hmm. And we were supposed to go to that burn ceremony. And I was by the grace of God that we didn't go because I needed to do all of that work so I could let it go. But you said to me, that's what you need to burn. You need to let that shit go. Because I was feeling so guilty about yeah, you yeah. Can't hold making on to that my son stuff. have a stroke. Like in my mind, this was all my fault. Right. And one of the things that you said that really touched me or made an impression was you said, I'm not ready to let it go. And I don't well, know yeah. if that's, you know, I wasn't. we feel like we have yeah. to carry it. So it gives it some some more meaning or something. I don't mm-hmm. know what it what it is behind that. But yeah. the fact that you weren't quite ready or you, you said you weren't ready was really 
now it wasn't. To me, and I'm I'm yeah. glad that you were able to. I don't. It's kind of was an outer body experience because I didn't really see those words coming out of my mouth. It just sort of they just came out like I'm not ready. And then I held on to that. But then every single time somebody would say "let it go," I triggered and cried and cried and cried. Even in my massage, she was like "let it go," and I'm like, ah! she, yeah. she's like, "What's wrong? Like, nothing. It's not you. It's me." Um, so anyway, we fast forward to Saturday night to our burn ceremony and we're writing this all down and I couldn't, I left. I halfway through, I was, I had to leave because I was like really ugly, snot face crying, Kim Kardashian, ugly crying. And I got up and I was like, I can't do this. And I went to the back and I fell to my knees. I was like pacing, pacing, pacing. I fell to my knees. I saw them. Yeah. I saw the mountain. This can make me cry. I saw the beautiful mountains with the sun hitting it. It was glowing because it was right at sunset. You know, that golden hour. So pretty. It was so beautiful. And I fell to my knees and I was like, please, Lord, give me the strength. I have to do this. I have to say it out loud. I couldn't walk up to that fire and not do it out loud because in my mind, like she said, there's power in saying it out loud. Yeah. There is. I'm getting emotional about it now, not because I'm feeling guilty, but because I'm so proud of myself for doing that. It was the moment I will never forget as long as I live. Because I walked up to that fire and it took me nine million years to get it out. Yeah. But I said it out loud. No. I threw it in the fire. I felt like it took a million years. Yeah. But I did it. You did it. it and was... then you immediately came up and hugged me for, it was like a 25 Mississippi hug, which I needed. <laughs> and then you held my hand. It was like the most beautiful moment in the go. whole wide world. But it was, I knew I could not walk up to that fire and let it go alone. I had to say it out loud. I needed you guys to yeah. hear it. I needed myself to hear it. I needed God to hear it. I needed everybody to hear it. And I did let it go. And I have been able to talk. I know I'm crying now, but only because I'm so incredibly proud of that moment that I got to share with you guys. Yeah. And I would never have been able to do it if it was in a different set. Like, I think it was just the right timing, the right yeah, people, the right. For sure. Yeah. And it was, it was so meant to be amazing and yeah. powerful. Yeah. So I am thankful for that. And there is a lot of power in letting your guard down and saying it out loud. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think I slept for a million years. Like, it felt yeah. like I slept for a hundred years. Oh, yeah. Remember you I did sleep really amazing the next yeah. that night. I never woke up. <laughs> that's so crazy yeah, but yeah. that tells you was, how much the, those things like can affect you and you're yeah. like holding this burden mm-hmm. physically too right but yeah. you don't have to carry it alone you don't right no. it's okay you don't have to carry but it you alone. have to be vulnerable to let it go you have to yeah and there's gonna be somebody that's gonna hug you and lift you up and make you feel special yeah. and help you get through it and you guys did that for me that day so just thank you yeah so you should be proud that was an amazing <laughs> yeah, moment it really was and i'm i'm well, I, it's I all because of you. If you wouldn't have said that, it would have, I mean, I was there for the podcast. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like and I've said I need this. to burn all of my self-sabotage. <laughs> and I've said this before. I really think that God speaks oh to God, us so through funny. other people. You oh, know? yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you surround yourself with good people, God's, God's speaking. So God's good. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think that's important. We got to yeah. listen to those messages. Absolutely. And we have to slow down in order to hear them. You know, when our brains are busy and we're rushing from one thing to the next, we can miss those messages. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so I, yeah. important. For sure. Yeah. yeah. What, tell us about the benefits and the amazingness of having a sponsor or a mentor. Yeah. So, you know, f- sponsorship is uh, recommended in a program of recovery that you find somebody that you admire in the program. You like the way that they work their program and you grab onto them, you ask them to guide you through. And, you know, there's there's no criteria for being a sponsor. Typically it's a year of sobriety, but and it's recommended that it's woman to woman, man to man, you know, so you can really be open and understood. But you could get a really bad sponsor and mm. you can be a bad sponsor. So I think that for me, I I was blessed. I have been very blessed. I had two wonderful women that helped me through this and that lifted me up and carried me when I couldn't walk and <laughs> just guided me through the program. But my sponsor has been sober for 12, uh, 13 years now. She just had a birthday and she is just a wealth of knowledge. When I have a issue that I'm struggling with, I call her up or mm-hmm. I send her a text and she usually directs me to go to a meeting and then she'll send me to, you know, the right prayer, the right next act uh, in order for me to keep putting one foot in front of the other and and not pick up a drink. And, you know, I, I we were just talking about saying something out loud. And I was so fearful of talking about this because, like I said, once you put it out there and tell somebody that you don't drink, you know, I always feel was fearful that once I put it out there, if I failed, you know, what that's going to look like the next, you know. So anyway, speaking it out today, I'm 
like you, I'm really proud that I'm able to to say it out loud. And, you know, my hope is just uh, to help somebody that's struggling out there. So if I can offer, you know, any type of words of advice, you know, it would just be to find somebody that's been through it and that's walked ahead of you and um, grab onto them and hopefully they'll show you the way. Yeah. Yeah. Your sponsor sounds amazing. She is. She is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I don't, I don't have to go to a meeting every day. I go to a meeting, you know, when I feel like I need it. And I don't like to compare it to church, but most meetings are held within a church. And when I leave, I feel like I have been to church. I feel yeah. fulfilled. My, my heart feels full. I feel supported. I feel loved. And um, I don't lean on my sponsor every day anymore. You know, I've picked up the tools along the way to where I, I really know usually what to do next, you know, the the next right indicated thing. And I, like I said, last week, I had something fall apart in front of me and I just wanted to, I wanted to lash out. I wanted to, you know, pick up the phone and, and just be crazy. And I've learned that that's not okay. And I need to, to sit in it and think about my next move and really protect myself as well as others. So, um, yeah. So working out, praying, meditating, all those things came what was to mind. The, what was the activity that you did that your sponsor had you do? Did she have you make a list with like three columns in it when you yeah. were sorting through mm-hmm. a decision? Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, so there's a lot of journaling that comes with this, but there is uh, one of the steps in my program was to take a personal inventory of resentments that I have, you know, and, and that could be a person, a place, or a thing. You know, it could be, you know, a resentment that I'm holding against my husband or one that I have from 10 years ago. And so we, we ma- I made a list of everybody that has offended me, everything that has offended me. Wow. And the second column was, um, how does this affect me and my life? And so we journaled about that. And then the third column is figuring out what my part in that is. And which is not typical. Like people it's don't usually look at it. Accountability yeah. and responsibility yeah. is the hardest part. Totally. It really is. And I've had some things happen to me in the past that were not my fault. And I've been very adamant about never making an apology to that person. But through the program and through my recovery, I realized that I did have a part in it. And, you know, maybe I wasn't the key player, but I did have a part in what happened. And whether I put myself in the wrong place, that that is that was upon me and to be able to reach out to those people. And you're not looking for an apology. You're not looking to get an apology or give one. You're just trying to clear the wreckage and get it off of your heart, you know? And so I had to make some phone calls that were not easy for me to make, you know, ex-boyfriends, previous employers, you know, things like that. But, and some people aren't receptive to that conversation Mm -hmm. and they shut me down and that's okay. You know, I tried and I was still able to work through that situation. So that was really powerful being able to figure out what my, what my part in these situations were and get it off my heart and get rid of it. And then another thing that I was telling you guys about was, um, been in a place of kind of fear and worry lately. And, I called my my sponsor and talked to her about it and she had me do a fear inventory. And so I wrote mm. down all the different things that I was fearful of and that I was worrying about. And it was the same kind of equation. You know, you figure out how is this affecting my life on a daily basis and what is it about me? How, what part am I playing in these fears? What's, what's the character defect that keeps bringing me back to this? And then working through that. Yeah. So do they guide you through that? Yeah. That type of thing? Like what the character, like, I don't even yes. know what that yes. is. Yes. And it's usually really. insecurity. Okay. Um, Something you picked up somewhere and yeah. then now you're manifesting it in these ways. Correct. That's cool. So that's yeah. something that you do at a meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's something you do one-on-one with a sponsor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then after that, there's, you know, it's kind of like boot camp, you know, they cut you down, you know, and, and, and build you back and up. then they build yeah. you back up. So immediately after working on that, there's steps that follow that build you back up and prayer and meditation come in. I just feel that. like I need to go through this program you as know, a sober person. Like, <laughs> no, like seriously, because. Well, it's because it's, it is about sobriety, it's almost like, but it's so much more than it's that. It's so too. much more than it's almost it's and like a sponsor yourself. is like yeah. your personal therapist, absolutely that you can just call mm-hmm. and talk to and not get charged eight hundred dollars an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's they just help you work through things. I think that's so invaluable. It really is. Like it's I want therapy. one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go to the 
the program. Mentor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mentor. I'm going to go to the summer series and be like, can you guys let me in? <laughs> I really like it. I do. I really like I it. I don't. I just think this program needs to exist for everybody. There, yes. I and totally especially agree. Like, through things that are happening in the world. I feel like a lot of people are overwhelmed these days. Yeah. And they don't have the tools. Yeah. And there's the meeting for everything. I'm telling you guys. Is there? <laughs> oh yeah. There's like Overeaters Anonymous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, All these things. Yeah. You know. Sex or oh, sex addiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a meeting for it. I mean, I, maybe I have like a food one. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> just joking. I I need to find something that I can go connect with. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But they're not all the same. Like you have the serenity prayer. There's something to be said about AA that is yeah magical. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. there because the power that comes from the steps that you take, the prayers that you take. The meditation, all of that. I'm not sure that all of those support groups have the same no. approach or approach yeah. no. to what they're doing. And this program has been around for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my grandparents were in AA and, and that should have been a red flag for me yeah. know, not to yeah. drink, but um, it wasn't. But, you know, what I did take away from that is I knew exactly where to turn when I knew I needed help, you know, yeah. And yeah. which is kind work. of a gift too. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I, I actually still have my grandma's prayer books and mm. books that she had from when she was in the program. And I have her notes, you know, that she wrote in her Aww. bookmarks and stuff like that. That's so sweet. I, love that. I, and actually my sobriety date is my grandma's birthday. Um, after my relapse, I did some closet drinking for like two days. That was my relapse. I went right back to hiding it, which again is just a huge red flag that I am a true alcoholic. But it was right after the holidays. And, you know, I knew that I I hadn't had a drink after the first of the year, but my grandma's birthday was January 9th. And so I just made that my my new sobriety date. So it's very special to me. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Very sweet. Thanks. She's always with you. Always. Yeah. Mm, That's great. Well, I think also talking about these tools and how they're valuable for just like about anybody could use these things in their lives. What about like your kids? Are there, is there anything that you're learning in the program that you're like passing on to teaching your kids to have? Because we don't really learn this in school, but you have these tools now that Amanda and I are trying to learn (laughs) from you. But like, have you ever thought about like, okay, I want my kids to know maybe the like, do you practice, um, what was the thing where you well, said you ask and meditation? Will you them. stop yeah. and like ask your question? Does it need to be said like that type of thing? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think sometimes we force our kids to apologize right away. Um, mm-hmm. And that is actually something in the program uh, that I work is, you know, if, if you do owe somebody an apology, you, you do it pretty much right away. And it's not, you know, forcing my kids to say they're sorry, but if they're truly wrong, I try to teach them, you know, to be able to apologize and right. have a conversation about it. The the pausing and the taking a deep breath, we've, we've talked to our kids about doing that, you know, just taking a second before you fly off the handle and react and and actually take a breath, pause, and then, you know, so, but as far as any other tools from the program, no, not really. I mean, they're still Um, young. Yeah. You know, they may be as they get older. Yeah. And I haven't yet talked to my kids about alcoholism, that word and what that means. You know, again, it's fear of what they're going to take to another home. And yeah, my mom's an alcoholic. You know, I don't, (laughs) I don't need that. But those conversations will come. You know, it's very important for my kids to know that they come from a family that has this disease. It is 100% a disease. I believe that in my heart of hearts. And it's been proven that this is a genetic thing. And so I will have those conversations with my kids. I would hate to see them, you know, have to struggle with this later in life. So that, that'll that be conversations that we have with them. But for me, it, it's more being an example mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, having these sit down conversations yeah. about it, you know. Yeah. And, my husband sometimes says, how do you, how are you not reacting to this or hearing it? So, you know, my kids will be fighting or whatever, or, you know, I, I'm, I have a really good ability of tuning things out too. Yeah. <laughs> you I'm know, like, that's motherhood girl. I, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't need to be reactive <laughs> in front of the kids. And yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes I just, I have to. I tune it out too. I think that's yeah. good Chris though. Will ask yeah. that. He'll say, why yeah. are you not reacting more? And I'm like, cause I'm with, I'm immune to this. Yeah. Yes. Get it. Yeah. You are here way less than I am. So your patients are thinner. Mm -hmm. So I do think that's motherhood. But I also think there's a lot to be said. I learned so much from you just in the things that you say without asking for advice or, you know, your thoughts on 
anything just through conversations. So I would be willing to bet your kids are learning so much yeah. just through your yeah. everyday practice. Yeah. Well, and they, they say human. that you do, they, they're going to follow your example. Mm-hmm. They're not going to really listen to what you say. I just didn't know if there was any focus on that for you, because I do think it is invaluable if they have these skills going on in life. I just in teaching my kids how to deal with stuff, you know, the same type mm-hmm. of thing. I just think that we're like trying so hard to like take on Heather's juju and like be oh. good in those situations. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I think it's just, I always think about like, how are we teaching our kids those things? But obviously you being an example, you're an example to Amanda and I, and we see that and, and value it. So I think that obviously the kids are going to pick that up too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. You're the ultimate friend tour. It's a thing. I'm making it happen. I like that. That so funny. That's cute. <laughs> told Ariel that we need friend tours. Friend tours. Yeah. It's like friend tours? What? You it just, the uh, name. I don't know if I love the name, but I do I want like a friend sponsor. It's yeah. a working title for a friendship yeah, sponsor. A friend mentor. Let us sponsor. know if you have any ideas. If you have any ideas, yeah. <laughs> We're open to it. <laughs> That's good. For now, we're going to keep calling him French tours. Right. But you are the ultimate. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. The queen French tour. <laughs> we'll make you a name tag. We'll figure it out. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll still work on that. Working title. <laughs> What's the other name we had? Do I have another one? No, I think that was oh, it. Just French I mean, tour. I did t- try to come it up came with came to me one. while I was meditating. I was like, French tour. Oh. Oh, this is God. it. So funny. <laughs> And Ariel was well, like, meditate, meditating. meditate some more, <laughs> get some more. I know. Maybe I'll come to you. We'll tell you what really resonated with me today during this conversation is that you said making sobriety like it was your job. And I'm on this summer reset. And I, that was really good to hear because I have slipped a little bit on my summer reset just because we have a lot going on. So mm-hmm. I am very tired at the end of the day, which is mm-hmm. when I'm doing my meditation outside because I want to get my time outside. I find it really calming to be out there. But lately, like the last four days, I haven't done it. Uh-huh. And my little meditation app is reminding me that I haven't been on. Yeah. But I'm going to make it my job because I feel anxious. And I think it's because I haven't been taking the time for myself the last few days. Yeah. And I don't yeah. like that. So that was yeah. very helpful. Thank you. Of course. You know, and even if it's 30 minutes, it's mm-hmm. 30 minutes that you deserve and need. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being our first guest. We love you and what we're you so think? happy. Did you love it? Will you come back and visit us? I will. I absolutely <laughs> will. I love it. <laughs> will you come well. visit us? You're so funny. Come back to our corner of podcast land. Yeah, it's a good corner. Yeah, it is. It's a tight knit corner. Yeah, it's been fun. I appreciate it so much. And I'm honored that you guys mm. wanted to hear my story. I mean, we're honored that you came on. So honored. Yeah. It means so much. We talked about it a lot before we had you on and we really are happy that you accepted. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And I think that you will help somebody. I think there's a lot of people out there that do question these types of things and hearing it sometimes from somebody else or hearing it on a podcast, Mm -hmm. it clicks. It just clicks with somebody. Yeah. And for me in the beginning too, it was when I was in a meeting, I realized that I wasn't alone. You know, it's and it's funny because I've ran I've run into clients, I've run into other moms, I've run into Oh, in the meetings. In the meetings. Oh, and yeah. that is a moment of just at first it's uncomfortable, but there's this mutual bond mm, yeah. um, that we have. Um, so, you know, and I, I I felt so alone at first, but then when I found myself surrounded by like-minded people, Mm -hmm. successful people, um, moms, dads, doctors, alcoholism does not discriminate. Mm -hmm. And so we're all in this together, you know, Mm -hmm. other fellow alcoholics. If you feel like you're alone and there's, there's no help out there, that is not the case. So yeah, absolutely. So if there is somebody out there listening before we wrap this up, that is wondering what they do next, what would you say? How would they go to find something? Like a meeting or something? Well, if they need to go to a meeting or they just need to talk to somebody to kind of like what you did, you called a friend who lived Mm -hmm. in Washington or or Yeah, yeah. And she gave you a list of people to call and then you called. So if somebody was questioning, what would they do? What would be the first step? I, I guess it would be probably just Googling it and finding meetings in your area if that's, you know, if that's the direction that they wanted to go. You know, alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's something we're not really su- supposed to promote. It's a program of attraction, not promotion. So mm-hmm. if what I'm saying 
has meaning and somebody wants what I have, I would I would recommend that they go to a meeting because it worked for me. And don't just go to one. If you go to a meeting and it you don't feel comfortable, go to another one. Pick a different one. Yeah, I was going to say, are they run by different like groups? Yes, or? they are. Um, so it's... It's different types of people, maybe, or if you don't feel comfortable with the one that you went, there might be somebody yeah. you relate to more or something. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're sitting in there and you, I still do this, I go into a meeting and I immediately start judging and looking around and, you know, trying to find a familiar face or trying to figure out if I fit in. Just, just go and sit and listen. You don't have to talk. You don't have to take everything with you. Just take take what you, if you hear something that means something, take that with you and leave the rest. You know, if you mm-hmm. learn one thing, just hold on to that until the next time you can get to a meeting. I tell this story sometimes. I was in Colorado traveling and I had some time to kill before I needed to get on my plane. And I went to, I just, you know, went online and I found a meeting in the area. And there's apps, you know, meeting finders and and whatnot. So there's, there's an app for that. Um, <laughs> I found a meeting that was on the way to the airport. I was was in this kind of sketchy neighborhood and the and the, the meeting was at a rundown church. I walked up the stairs to like this upstairs meeting room and, you know, started doing the thing, like looking around the room. Why am I here? I would never, you know, associate with these people, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it, it was by far one of the best meetings Aww. I've ever been to. These people laughed, See? they hugged, they welcomed me. It And, you know, I came away with with just, you know, a full heart. And I was just so grateful. And that's the thing that that these these meetings are happening all day around the clock, not in every community, but we're lucky here in Phoenix that we have a robust program out here. And yeah. just meetings are every hour on the hour. So I'm forever wow. grateful for that because- 24 hours a day. Tw- pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Because yeah. then if somebody can't make it, they don't, you know, have them at the right times. Yeah. It's just available. And there's virtual meetings. Where it's so. lonely in the middle of the night too. Yeah. That's what I yeah. think of. That's yeah. probably the hardest time when it's the middle right. of the night. And you're right. like, what do I do? You Am think I... of those odd times. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're not every hour on the hour, but, um, mm. you know, they, they're, there's lots of options out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Podcasts are another great great thing to listen to. Sometimes when I was in my car and I couldn't get to a meeting, I would just pop on a podcast and mm-hmm. there are recordings of meetings. Oh. Um, and, you know, you you learn just so much just by listening. So, yeah. I never would have yeah. knew that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. There's also a podcast for that. Yeah. Podcast, <laughs> for that. podcast yeah. And for everything. That's the thing. We're just, there's, <laughs> there's so many ways to tune in now. You know, like I said, there's virtual meetings too. You can get on your computer and join a meeting in Australia and not turn your camera on. Maybe not Australia. Yeah. Kangaroos. Those kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, don't talk about Australia. We don't talk about Australia on the podcast. I'm like there. traumatized. We do talk a lot about Australia, though, with the kangaroos and the fanny flutters, both from Australia. We do. You're right. Yeah. Maybe we, we belong Australia. in Australia. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> oh, man. So. That's so funny. Well, yeah. I just hope that you know that no matter what, you're so brave for doing this. Mm-hmm. You. You're going to help somebody. I just know deep down inside. I get emotional. I don't know why when I think about you. I just love you so much. And I feel like you're brought into my life for a reason. And oh God, why am I crying? <laughs> I just I just appreciate you so much. And I feel like there's so much for me to learn from you. And I know that you're going to help somebody with this podcast. And I think that's amazing. Like what a gift you're giving somebody out there listening. And Thank you. Just thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I feel the same way about you. I love you immensely. I really do. Thank you. And I'm just so grateful that you two asked me to do this because, you know, I was scared. Yeah. Um, It's out of your comfort zone. Yeah. It It is on on ours too. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, like I said, I I know that this is part of my journey. So to be able to speak it and share it with others. Right. I think you're going to help a lot of people in so many ways that might even be beyond drinking. Like, yes, for sure, and the drinking, but I think that you underestimate the power that you have and the effect that you have on people. You're such an inspiration to every single person that knows you. They want to be around you more. They want to absorb you. They want to take in everything that you have to say. I am one of those people. I think I'm one of your biggest fans. I might be her Thank biggest you. fan. <laughs> um, I love you. It was a competition. I, know, I love you too so much. And I think God put you in my life for a very specific reason. And I think we're getting to that. And I'm so excited to see where this journey with us goes. And I'm thankful that you were on here with us. And I'm so excited for our families to continue hanging and growing and sharing all these special moments. And I'm proud of you. And I want to congratulate you on seven years. Yes, congratulations. That's amazing. That's 
It is amazing. It's so awesome. So inspiring. And we love you. I love you too. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you both. All right. We'll see you next time. If this episode helped you, please share it. Leave a review. You can follow us on Mob Squad Podcast on Instagram at Mob Squad Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.